Praise the Lord. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 26. Title of my message is Perfect Peace. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. It says, capital Y-U, which is the Lord, will keep in perfect peace, will keep or will continue to stay in perfect peace. So it's not a one-time thing, it's a, I will continue to keep you in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because why are their minds steadfast? And why are they in perfect peace? Because they trust in you, Lord. They trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty, or the proud city, low. Listen to this. He levels to the ground and casts it to the dust. But listen to this. Feet trample down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. Then it says, the path of the righteous is level. Now how is it level? You, the upright one, makes the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, your name and renown and the desires of our hearts. You are are the desires of our heart, are the desire of our hearts, I'm sorry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we uh, praise you, Lord, for these promises. And um, Lord, you have offered us something that's more valuable than anything else we could have in these days, Lord God. You've offered us your perfect peace, Lord. And I pray that you would minister through me, Lord, that you would open up ears, Lord God, proud ears, Lord, ears that uh, believe they already know everything, Lord including myself, and humble us, Lord. You said the proud city falls, Lord, and, it, and, and it's trampled down. But the righteous, Lord God, you make their path smooth, Lord. So let us be counted among the righteous, Lord God, the humble, Lord, that hear your word today, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steady because they trust in you. Now the word that's used here for peace in the Hebrew is the word shalom. And in fact, they've interpreted perfect peace, but actually it's, uh, in, in Hebrew it actually reads, not perfect peace, it reads Shalom, shalom. So it's a repetition of the word shalom. And in the Hebrew, when you repeat something, it intensifies it or magnifies it to another degree. So this is like uh, not just peace, it's like a super peace. It's like a peace that's beyond normal peace or peace that you've heard of. It's magnified peace. Um, it's beyond anything that you've seen and, and, and probably... A real good way to render it is perfect peace. And um, when you render a perfect peace, you got to figure out what is actually the word shalom and what does it mean when they hear that in the Hebrew tongue. And a lot of times when we think peace, we think it's a um, 
agreement to not fight anymore. We think peace is, wow, it sure be nice if these people that hate each other just stop fighting and lay down their weapons. They lay down their weapons, but they still hate each other. They're just not fighting. And see, that's not the word shalom. In fact, if you go to Israel and you ask them what the word shalom means, um, literally, when you look at the uh, roots of the word, it actually means completeness or wholeness or fully. Um, and sometimes it's interpreted. In fact, uh, they use the word shalom for a lot of different things. It's hello, it's goodbye, it's a how are you doing. Um, and in fact, certain places in the Bible, uh, one place it's uh, used to designate that the wall is completed. Full, completion, shalom. Uh, another place, uh, he's counting his flocks, and because he was able to number all of them, and they were all there, he said they're shalom. They're complete. They're full. Everybody, Everything is there. Uh, you see a place in um, Genesis chapter 43, when uh, Joseph's brothers come to visit him in Egypt, and they don't know who he is, and then he reveals himself, Joseph, Joseph asked them in uh, 43.27, he says, How are you? How are you doing? How is your well-being? How is your health? And then he turns it to his their father. They don't know who he is still. And he says, How is your father that you spoke of? Is he healthy? Is he, does he have well-being? And so in, in, in Israel... Uh, when you ask somebody, in fact, uh, they translate Genesis 43-27 according to how we talk. So they don't say shalom, they say, how is it with you? And so literally, when you say that word, it means how are you spiritually? How are you mentally? How are you physically? How is your health? How is your spiritual health? How is your physical, mental, everything wrapped into one? How healthy are you? And so they'll say Shalom. And so when you begin to look at this, it says that God will keep you in shalom, shalom, perfect shalom. And so in Israel, they say that they haven't actually reached that yet. They say fully, full shalom will happen when the millennial kingdom is set up. When, when, when the Messiah rules on the throne and they'll turn the weapons into plowshares because they truly no longer need them. Okay, and there won't be war, and there won't be hostilities, and there won't be anger. Uh, but one of the things you need to know, it's, it's not just the absence of conflict. It's uh, being at peace, and there has to be the presence of love. And so if two enemies have uh, signed a treaty not to kill each other anymore, you don't exactly have shalom. You have an absence of conflict. But in order to have shalom fully... You have to love each other. You have to love your enemy and be friends with your enemies and eat meals with your enemy. And, 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 and God wants us to have that with Him. He wants us not only, uh, in fact, the Bible says that we, are, uh, we were enemies of God. And you say, well, man, I want to have shalom, this peace that He talks about in my life, and I'm just not going to be mad at God anymore. I'm not going to fight Him anymore. Well, you still don't have the peace that he's talking about. He wants more than just you not fighting with God anymore. He wants you to have an actual fellowship with him and a love for God. And not fighting with God is not that. 
You got to go another step and God says, you have to love me. And I can make sure what he's saying here is that that love is unbroken. That peace is unbroken. That joy is unbroken. That love is unbroken. And here's the problem. We can get off track. The world that we live in has a lot of disruptors that take away the peace that God wants us to live in all the time. You say, well, I have periods of peace, but then that person at work totally ruins my peace. Or that circumstance ruins my peace, or that bill in the mail ruins my peace. Now, don't get too worked up. People think that's you. You don't want people to think that's you, all right? But how many know there are lots of disruptors of peace, and we we can go long periods of our time without um, peace in our life? We can be disrupted for days, weeks, years. And you say, well, man, if only that disruptor wasn't there, I would have perfect peace like he's talking about. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to have it anyway, no matter what's going on around you. And one of the things that the Lord was showing me as an, an analogy as I was praying this morning was under the hood of your car or truck, or SUV, whatever you drive, there is a fuse box. And if you take that little lid off the fuse box and you begin to look at how it's wired, uh, how many are aware um, that that box pretty well controls all of your electrical components in that car? And I know this is, you're like, wow, seriously? Is that in there? (laughs) But you look at the diagram... And if your air conditioning is not working, there's a couple of components that are wired in that electrical box with a fuse in it. And one of the first things you want to check when your air conditioning goes out, is it actually the compressor or is it just a fuse? How many know this? And so there's this little, as you pull that fuse out, there's this little wire that just runs right through it there to keep connectivity to the electrical components, okay? And that... Fuse is designed uh, to not damage the components that are in your car. If that fuse blows, it breaks connection with that wire. And in your life, there are lots of things that are blowing that fuse. And when that fuse blows, it'll, it'll cost you a few cents to replace. But if it happens to blow, everything that's wired to that will shut down. And so what's happening is, because of the fact that we're not trusting in the Lord completely, there are certain components of our spiritual life that are not working. Uh, the stress, the strain, the, the circumstances of life, the, the, the news that you watch 24-7 on TV, they're blowing that fuse. And because of that, you don't live and you don't operate in perfect peace. And guess what happens when it's broken, that relationship with God that gives you perfect peace? When it's blown, usually what happens is your emotions begin to show it. You say, well, man, what happens if my power steering fuse goes out? Well, man, you're going to notice that life's a little bit harder to steer. Okay? And spiritually, that happens sometimes. How many know that your power steering powers your steering? And when you don't have the power to your steering, 
You use your own power of steering. Spiritually, it's the same way. Sometimes in life, you're using your own power of steering. And that fuse blew to God. God wanted you to have perfect peace about what's happening in the world. He wanted to give you an awareness of what's going on in the world. In fact, God gives you, tells you everything thousands of years ago before the world was ever created. He knew what was going to happen. And he said, hey, here's what's going to happen. Don't be surprised. And But we try to steer through it. We say, well, man, I'm going to have solutions. Man, if I can only put my trust in Black Lives Matter, it's going to change everything. If I put my trust in President Trump, Chad, you're hurting me now. If I put my trust in politics, if I put my trust in my effort, if I put my trust in the things that I can do, if I can do this, if I can do that, if I can do this, and boy, that fuse just pops. It's like, and God's kind of like, okay, you steer it yourself then. Or you can trust my word who told you how things were happening and quit waiting for a savior in the White House and let the White House start following the church a little bit, then maybe God will start steering the ship for us. But what we keep doing is that fuse keeps blowing, okay, because we're trusting in other things. I don't care what the other thing is. How many know it doesn't matter what the other thing is? It can be politics. It can be money. It can be effort. It can be all these things. It could be your church. How many know you could trust your church and not God? And you can say, well, man, my church is going to do everything. Now I'm disappointed because my church isn't doing what I thought of them to be. I thought they were God. Your church isn't God. And so if you put your trust and you put that fuse in there and it's church, politics, money, but Chad, I'm, one, there's one you're missing that works really well, and that's my extreme intelligence. See, you don't realize how absolutely intelligent and rational I am. If you knew how rational and intelligent I am, then you would understand that, that people just need to listen to me for a few hours and let, let me regurgitate Sean Hannity or, or uh, Don Lemon. How many know lots of people like that? Don't point at yourself. I'm going to regurgitate what I heard on the news because the, my intelligence mixed with their intelligence has a solution that's going to solve the problems of the world, okay? And what God is saying is anything that you trust that's not Him will short-circuit your spiritual life. Amen? I'm not saying that there's not truth in other places, but ultimately every truth has to be found here. See, people around us don't make the truth. God makes the truth, and we either line up with it or we don't. God doesn't say, okay, I'm behind this line. I'm behind this person. I'm behind this program. I'm behind this thing in the world. God's saying, no, the wisdom of the world will fail you. Trust in the Lord will give you perfect peace. And you look at you begin to look at uh, the 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 Greek equivalent to shalom. You get in the New Testament, and they use a word that's very interesting. It's called irene is the the proper way to pronounce the Greek word irene, and the word is spelled e i r e n e. It's where we get our word in in English serene, and um, both shalom and serene. Um, 
Iro in the word irene, irene means to join back together or bond something that's been broken, divided, or separated. That's where I got my ideal for the fuse. Because it breaks and there's no connection with the power anymore. And so we have a common English phrase that says, having it all together or losing it. And how many know if you're not wired to the Lord, the slightest little thing can break your connection with the Lord. The slightest little circumstances, the slightest little personal problem, the slightest little problem in the world that that has you frustrated because you can't solve it, the helplessness of helping the people that are around you. I mean, all these things can short-circuit your peace. And the Bible says that this is a perfect peace, or this is peace magnified. This is extreme peace. This is peace, the Bible would say, passes all understanding in Philippians. It's beyond your rational thinking. It's beyond uh, your intellect. It's, it's something that's beyond all of that. It's magnified peace that I want you to have. And so if there is a perfect peace, there is a real peace, there is a peace that he wants us to have and says the world doesn't have it, then what are the other pieces is what my question is. There must be a lot of other pieces out there that we're having if he says the world has a certain kind and I give you something different than the world. Doesn't that mean that there's a bunch of other kinds of peace out there? Uh, One kind of peace is a life insurance policy. You sign that policy or that health insurance and you're like... Such peace floods my soul. You got to raise the job you've always wanted, and you look at that paycheck and you're like, the peace of the Lord is just upon me right now. And how many know that you can trust in your money? You can trust in your home, you can trust in your friends, you can trust in all kinds of things. And have peace, you know, you've got an alarm system. Oh, man. I'm so at peace because of my alarm system. I'm a conceal and carry, Chad. Man, i got all the peace I need in the world. Because i got my peace right here on my hip. And he's saying, you know, I want to give you peace when the alarm system is broke. I want to give you peace when you don't have a job. I want to give you peace when you aren't able to get health insurance or you're not able to get uh, anybody that can treat your sickness. I want to give you uh, peace whenever things aren't going well. I want to give you peace when there's a storm. I want to give you peace that reaches a lot further than your alarm system or your bank account. And that's what the world doesn't have. The world only has peace in what's working well at that moment, but it's fleeting. And he's wanting to give us perfect peace that is constant. Meaning consistently. Did you hear that, what it said in Isaiah? It said the proud, those who are in the proud city, it's going to get trampled, it's going to be destroyed because the city is proud. But he said, the Lord has purchased a smooth road, a level road. He has made the righteous road level. You say, well, praise the Lord. I'm never going to lose my job. Praise the Lord, I'm never going to be without money. Praise the Lord, nobody's ever going to get sick 
or, 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 or pass away that I love. Thank the Lord that I'm never going to go through trouble. He made my road perfect. We're going to float on clouds. But most of you realize that that's naive. He made the road flat and smooth, but he did it by his death and by the peace that he gives. Which means it doesn't matter how bad the storm is, if I'm growing in his peace, it will be smooth for the righteous. You, you mean in the middle of a pandemic, he's going to give me peace? Yeah. The middle of a hostile takeover of our government, he's going to give me peace that passes my understanding? Yeah, he did it for a lot of people in the Bible. There were many nations that were overran and judgment fell upon those nations. And guess what God did? They had peace through it. You know, Daniel, just look at him. Boy, he suffered a lot during that uh, Babylonian captivity, didn't he? God delivered him out of everything during that period. God had his hand upon him. God blessed him. In fact, he rose to the highest parts of the government. You could actually make the argument that Daniel was better off when they went in captivity. He, went, he rose to the height of the Babylonian kingdom, rose to the height of the Persian kingdom. <laughs> David was pretty, or Daniel was pretty blessed during the time of the captivity. And so God wants us to have this peace, and uh, He wants us to watch out for the wrong kind of peace. In fact, you know, in the last days, one of the cries will be, watch out when they say, what? Peace, and not just one, peace. Watch out when they say it, because this is a false peace. This is a peace that says, the, the Antichrist is going to be saying it's okay. Judgment is about to come on the earth worse than it's ever happened. And the spirit of the last days is they're going to be saying, it's okay. Peace, peace. Everything's going to be all right when everything isn't going to be all right. They're crying. The world is saying, peace, peace. We'll take care of it. And God's saying, no, there's not going to be peace. Now, some people say, well, how do I deal with this dilemma of anxiety stress, um, this broken peace because of the things going on around me. And some people say, well, man, it's just a state of mind. You know, if you come in and you meditate long enough, this peace will just come upon you. And you'll... Mm, mm. Oh, I feel it. I mean, oh, this is a false peace. The Bible says ignorance is bliss. That's this kind of peace. Blissful ignorance. Mm. Mm. You guys feel it? This blissful ignorance? It's not, it's not sitting on anything, any foundation. It's not sitting on any facts. It's just like, I feel better. You feel better. You know, I've known guys that sit around smoking weed. I like them. Mm, mm, pass it around. We all feel better, right? Yeah, we feel better. Yeah. But nothing's changed. You know, you still probably don't have a job and still struggling to, you know, live life. Nothing's changed. It's just this blissful ignorance that is disguising itself as peace. And there are other kinds of false peace. There is a passivity, like what will be, will be. 
Like, you know, it's what's going to happen is going to happen. And so I might as well just live my life and enjoy my life and enjoy it even when things are going bad. And, and it's just there's no foundation that sits on. It's just I'm going to ignore everything and I'm going to be stoic. And everything's just going to be all right and I've got a peace about me. But the problem is it stands on nothing. It's not connected to God. He said this one is connected to God. And it actually does affect you. A third kind of peace. And I talked about this a little bit, but the peace that the world gives. You know, we're going to, hey, you know what? We're going to negotiate with all these nations and we're going to have a peaceful resolution. And, and man, we're getting rid of all these armaments. And, and yeah, Russia's lowering their armaments and America's lowering their armaments. And I've got a cache of uh, weapons in my house and all kinds of ammunition and I got food for, you know, 15 years, and so I feel peace. And I'm not saying you don't prepare for things. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying you can have all that and still not be connected to God and have the peace that God wants you to have. Yeah, you might be eating for 15 years, but you're going to be miserable with anxiety for 15 years because you're waiting on other things to give you peace. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And Jesus, get this, Jesus already knows he's going to be beaten worse than any man would ever be beaten. He knew that he was about to be betrayed, knew he was about to be crucified and was going to be resurrected. But in his last hours, guess what he's doing? He's saying, don't worry about it. I got peace. I'm going to give you the same peace. And he's trying to console them right before he's about to be crucified. Isn't that amazing? Then he goes on in 16, just a few chapters later. Just thinking about this when I was driving over. And in 16, he says, right at the end, he says, uh, Jesus says, You believe at last? Jesus answered. This is verse 31. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone. My Father is with me. That's, that's pretty important there. You're going to leave me all alone. I'm trying to give you peace. But just understand, in a few days, you're going to all scatter. It's just going to be me and the Lord. And, I, and he says, um, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble or tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is trying to tell them, the peace that I give is totally different than the world. He's not saying you're going to avoid tribulation. He says, when you go through it, I'm telling you, I'm going to be all alone. I'm going to go through tribulation, but God's going to be with me, and that's enough, because when I go through my tribulation, I'm going to have a peace the world doesn't have, and my peace rests in my relationship with my Father. And what he's saying is, I told you these things, so you may also have that peace. That no matter what happens in this world, you have the peace that comes from God that is different than the world. And church, we need this peace in the world that we live in. How many know this? So many of us are full of anxiety. So many of us are full of fear. So many of us are constantly going from one plan to the next. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? As if I can do something to stop the things that are going on in this world. 
Okay, and we're constantly stressed. We're constantly trying to hear something from somebody that's going to take away the anxiety. And the Lord is saying, your answer is right there. Why are you waiting to hear something on, on your podcast? Why are you waiting to hear something on TV? Why are you waiting for somebody to tell you something? Trust in God and you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. And you say, well, man, isn't that also passive? Well, you're not reading your Bible. How many know that God has a lot for us to do in this hour? In fact, there are people that are digging bunkers. There are people that are saving up their ammunition. There are people that are saving up their money and their seed corn and everything. And guess what they're not doing? What the Bible told us to do. The Bible didn't say wait for the Antichrist. The Bible didn't say build a bunker. The Bible didn't say store up all these things so you'll be all right. The Bible said, let them know I'm coming soon. Make sure they're ready. And if all your time is spent building bunkers and and collecting ammunition, then you haven't done a single thing that the Lord asked you to do because He said, make sure they're ready because I'm coming soon. I'll come like a thief in the night and they're not going to be ready. And guess what? If they're not ready, they're going to be thrust into a world where you might need the ammunition, where you might need the seed corn. But His instructions are always, go read Thessalonians. The instructions aren't, wait for the Antichrist. Uh, watch out for the Antichrist. Make sure you know who the Antichrist is. The instructions are, be ready, I come quickly. He's coming soon. When you see these things happen, look up, know your redemption draweth nigh. It's, hey, it's closer, it's closer. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Win the lost, win the lost, win the lost. All that money and time you're spending on ammunition, you could be spending on winning the lost. How many know that? Well, I just exploded somebody's bunker theory. There's going to be some mad hornets coming out of this building. Chad, you have no idea, man. You've been listening to all that rapture garbage. Right? That's what you think. But the Bible is consistent. From the first century on, the Bible is consistent. Get them ready for my coming. Quit worrying about the Antichrist. That's all the way through. Read your own Bibles, okay? Listen to this. Jeremiah 6.13, From the least to the greatest, they are all greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, they all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they're not shameful at all. They don't even know how to blush. They will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. I mean, oh, that's a people that didn't put their trust in the Lord. They put their trust in a lot of other things, but they didn't put their trust in the Lord. But Chad, I trust in my bunker. I trust in my preparation for the last day war. Well, maybe you need to start trusting the Lord and doing what the Lord asks you to do, win the lost. Because those who are going to be dying while you're saving up for the last days are your family members, the people that you love, the people that you care about. And the Lord's saying, fully put your trust on my word. If you believe my word and you believe I'm coming back soon, then get desperate to win the lost. Not desperate to cover your butt in the tribulation. Okay? 
Somebody say amen, because I feel like I'm lonely up here. Amen. So how do I acquire the perfect peace? Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, yeah, that's it, that's what I'm looking for, it passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds, it'll keep my heart and my mind, both, through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Father, well, not the Bible, it's an old saying, God thought it, the Son bought it, and the Holy Spirit brought it. Right? So Jesus Christ purchased our ability to have this peace in our mind and in our hearts. And so through Jesus Christ, I can have this peace. And you say, well, of course, that's so obvious. Why are you, why do you even preach that when it's so obvious? But here's the implications of this. Without Christ, you don't have it. Well, Chad, you're excluding Buddha. You're excluding Muslims. Do you realize I'm excluding a lot of people in the world with this verse? So either the Bible is true from the front to the back, or he made a mistake here by saying it's only through Jesus Christ. So how many know only through faith in Jesus Christ can I have the peace that passes all understanding? And so in the last days, I don't have it unless I have a relationship with Christ Jesus, right? Very important to know that. In fact, in the last days, when you start to hear those who say, well, you don't need this man, Jesus Christ. John, in 1 John, that's where we begin to warn and say, hey, that's how you know the Antichrist spirit, because they're going to say you can get it through many different ways. And, and God's clearly saying only through Jesus Christ, which is very important. Through the Holy Spirit. So if you're not walking in the Spirit, it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, meaning if you have the Spirit, these things will be growing in greater and greater abundance in your life. Okay? Things that will grow. Love. Why? We need that. Joy. Peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, man, Chad, if you stop there, you could preach a sermon on every one of those. Which I could. But we've only got, I've only got till 2 o'clock to finish a sermon. So I can't do that, all right? <laughs> but how many know, that the reason this is important to me is because the son bought it but the Holy Spirit brought it. That means my relationship with the Holy Spirit, some of you don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Okay, the Holy Spirit uh, becomes a part of your life when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. In fact, you'll notice He's there. There'll be evidence that He's there because things will bother you that didn't bother you before. Like you may have cussed like a sailor before you gave your heart to the Lord, but then now it bothers you. Like, oh man, why do I feel so bad about that? That's the Holy Spirit. You may not know that, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's starting to convict you of sin and unrighteousness. You say, well, man, I used to drink and I just don't. Uh, why do I feel bad about it now? The Holy Spirit. Well, I used to, you know, threaten people and now I don't. Now I feel bad when I 
threaten people. Or I feel bad when I'm mean to somebody. Or I feel bad when I'm condescending to somebody. You say, I always feel terrible about it and I didn't used to. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that sounds easy to understand. Doesn't everybody know that? No, not everybody does. Not everybody realizes that thing that's making them feel guilty sometimes and feel bad is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to repair this broken fuse so you can have a connection and these things will start working. All these things that are powered by the Holy Spirit, like you're this manual little uh, pre-Henry Ford buggy that has no engine in it and has no components in it and no air conditioning and, and no radio or uh, what, is, what are they called now? Radios. I guess people still listen to radios, right? Okay. I had to make sure I wasn't stepping back in time. But we're trying to live the Christian life and the love component's not working because the fuse is broke. The peace component's not working because the fuse is broke. The joy part of it's not working because of the fuse is broken. And what the Holy Spirit's trying to do is, hey, I'm trying to bring the connection back. I'm trying to bring shalom in your life. I'm trying to bring this peace that connects it all together and you have wholeness and completeness and a full relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And how many know we can grow in peace? Because it's a fruit. That fruit is going to grow in our life when we have a connection to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to cause us to be connected by knowing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to speak louder and louder, and you say, man, shut him off. Some people say, shut him off. I don't want to hear the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak through messages. You know, like you're hearing now, the Holy Spirit is going to speak uh, when you walk around at your job, He's going to talk to you. You're going to say, oh, stop it, man. He's trying to make me good. He's trying to repair my ruptured relationship with the Lord. Um, And you're going to hear Him. And what the Lord wants you to do is don't shut it off. Amplify it. Turn the volume up on it. Get to know the Holy Spirit better. The Holy Spirit, a good analogy is you've invited the Holy Spirit into your home and your heart, and He's sitting on your couch. And every day you walk by Him, and you never say anything to Him. It's like, ah, there's that guy sitting on my couch. Then you leave, hey, there's a guy sitting on my couch. Come back, guy sitting on my couch. And what you do is, and this is just just, um, an analogy, it's not a real thing. You go to your room and play video games. Okay? It's just an analogy. That guy sitting on your couch and wants to know you. You leave, you go to work, you come back, you go play video games. He's still there. He's like, I would like to know you. All right? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you actually know the Holy Spirit now. He's not just in your heart. He's not just trying to get some time. You're cultivating that relationship and you say, you know what? I want the fullness of this person in my life. I want to amplify it. I want Him to work through me. I want Him to use my mouth to speak His words. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this introduction to that person that's been trying to influence your life for a very long time. And so the Holy Spirit brings this peace. Another thing that will bring this peace from the Lord is the Word of God. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing, that says nothing, can make you stumble. 
How many know you can read the Word of God? Uh, remember I said that ignorance is bliss, and just because you hide yourself from everything that's going on in the world, and you say, man, everything's i got a well-being, the Lord does the opposite. The Lord actually informs you of everything that's going to happen. He says, the world is going to be like this. The world is going to do this to you. The world's going to do this to me. But look, I overcame it. He said, I overcame the world. It didn't affect my peace. So I'm giving you the peace that I, that I had to overcome the world. And so what he's saying is that I'm going to tell you everything. And by telling you everything, he said, I didn't, in fact, in that scripture, John, he says, I'm not even going to speak in parables. I'm not going to make it difficult to understand. I'm going to speak to you directly on this. I want you to know so you'll have peace. And you say, oh, my goodness, I'm so, you know, so stressed. What do I do? What do I do? There's going to be an antichrist. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be a cashless society. There's going to be, uh, false prophets. There's going to be all these tribulations, all these things coming upon the world. Oh my goodness. They've, they fooled everybody. Dr. Fauci's are, you know, doing this and the World Health Organization's doing that. And all these things are happening in the end time. Somebody give me a good prophet to tell me what's happened. Read your Bible. Read your Bible because the Bible prophesied it and it's coming to fruition exactly like the Bible said. The Bible talked about a mark of the beast and nobody understood what it was. Now we're all prophets. We all know what it is. It's very much out in the open. All of it's out in the open. And you say, oh my goodness, I'm so stressed. No, he told you that so you wouldn't be stressed. He wants you to be irene, which serene. He wants you to have... Um, shalom. He wants you to have peace because I already told you this was going to happen. Now, how can God not be in control of it if he already knew it was going to happen? All we have to do is be faithful to be the people God called us to be in the midst of all this. But instead, we've got a short circuit. Instead, we have no peace in troubled times because even though God told us it was going to happen, we all act surprised. Don't we? We all act surprised. Like, oh my goodness, it's coming upon... I'm not saying don't... You know, the Bible says that we're going to win as long as the saints are here. It says the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And then something happens to the church and they're gone. And now all of a sudden, the the Antichrist is succeeding against the tribulation saints. You say, well, what happened? The difference is that... um, God prophesied that we would win as long as we're here. And so church, as long as we're here, we will win because of prayer. The prayer and the actions of the saints will always restrain the enemy. I mean, know that. We're here to be a restrainer, but the Bible says that one day the restrainer will be gone. And when the restrainer is gone, then guess what happens? God's judgment begins to fall upon the earth. We're the thing that's stopping it. So as long as we're in the world, as long as we're in prayer, as long as we're keeping our eyes on what the enemy's doing, we will win. But the moment we're gone, that's what the Lord says, watch out for. He said, watch out in the last days, be ready. Make sure they're ready. Make sure you're preaching the gospel because I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. I'm coming in the blink of an eye. I'm going to come and be ready, church. Be ready. Make sure they're ready. Hallelujah. So by the word of God, 
that brings peace and it says nothing will make you stumble. How many know there are a lot of Christians stumbling and staggering right now? They're stumbling. They're like, oh my goodness. One world government. And and their walk is just staggering. They're walking up hills. They're walking down valleys. They're staggering all over the place. And God's saying, hey, I made your path smooth. You know, I purchased a smooth path where you're steady. You're always walking in my word and you know what's happening. I've already told you what's happening. So what's the surprise here? Just pray and, and reach the lost. Pretty simple. But I don't know, Pastor, that's this evil. This evil is rising. This evil, yeah, he already told us it was. You're not, you're not telling me anything new. Well, some prophet said that, that the, the, the end times is going to... Well, I already know that because I read my Bible. You know, I don't need a prophet to tell me what's going to happen in the last days. I'm not going to be surprised by what's happening in the last days. And I'm not against prophecy. I'm just saying there's a more sure word of prophecy, and that's the word of God. That's a scripture I just quoted, by the way. We need to quit looking for every prophet around every corner and start reading the Bible because it tells the whole story right there. Right? Arsh. Leviticus 26-36 says, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, the trees will bear their fruit, your threshing will continue until the grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in your land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove the wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. Leviticus 26.3 promises that if we are obedient to His commands and decrees, He will give us peace in our land. So one way that you acquire peace, first way was through Jesus Christ, second was through the Holy Spirit, third was through the Word of God, and there's a fourth one here. Obedience. Obedience will bring peace. It's not like uh, meditating... Uh, like an Eastern mysticism where you sit and you just feel a sense of peace. No, you do what's right and what God asks you to do, and you lay down at night and there's a peace where you say, you know what, if I die tonight, I feel pretty good about it. That's the peace that God gives. And that's what He wants to give us here. Hallelujah. Two conditions He gives here in uh, Isaiah 26. He says, those whose minds are steadfast and those who trust in you. How many know the mind is steadfast is a word for your head? How many know that you can uh, trust God with your head, with your mind, with your thinking? It says when your mind is steadfast, that means I built my house on the foundation of the Bible. Everything the Bible says, my head is going to trust God with my head. But then the other one is, mind is steadfast and who trusts in you. So the one is the mind, the other one is the heart. That means my mind is settled that the Word of God is true, that God has told me everything that's going to happen, that He's going to give me peace that passes my understanding. You don't need to know all the answers. You just need to believe in your head that the Word of God is true, 
put all the weight of your emotions on that truth that God is true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Put all your trust in that word and then your heart will follow with actions. So if you've got your trust in God, all these little things won't be making your actions go awry. If you trust God, then then trust God with all of your actions to follow your mind. And a lot of people trust Him with their mind, but something disconnects with the actions. Where you quit trusting God in your everyday life, and you say, well, how is that? Your emotions get so out of whack. And you say, well, man, you're preaching to me. No, I'm preaching to me. You know, there are a lot of days I'm all out of whack, and then I go in that prayer room for a couple hours, and guess what happens? God begins to restore my thinking, and that trust comes, and that strength comes, and I walk out, and I feel like I'm Superman. I walk out of there and feel like, man, I I trust the Lord. It doesn't really matter what happens in this world. It doesn't really matter. God's got His hand on me. God, I trust in God. And, and my thinking has to line up with my actions. How many have ever had that happen? Your thinking within a moment didn't line up with your actions. You knew that you trusted God, but then the circumstances threw you out of whack. And I'm going to close with this story. Listen to this. Matthew 14.22 Immediately Jesus made His disciples made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountainside to pray. To pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. What is he going to do? The boat's way away from the land. Jesus has no ability to get on the boat, right? And so he dismisses it and it's alone in the middle of this scary mountain, right? And Jesus, uh, <laughs> I love telling these stories. The boat was a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, meaning it's still dark out, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Did I read that right? So he just walks on the lake to go catch his boat ride, right? In the middle of a storm, by the way. In the middle of the dark. And it says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And I want you to picture us here. We're in the middle of all this chaotic world, storms everywhere, and then here comes Jesus just casually walking on the storm. Okay? Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately he reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. I want you to notice, though, in this story, and this is what I'm getting at here, the storm never stopped. The storm 
never stopped. He was trusting God in the storm, walking on the water, and would have continued to do so had he not looked away from Jesus. And what God's calling us to do in this hour is to stay focused on Him. And when we begin to take our eyes off Him and make the source of our trust something different, when we put the weight of our faith on anything but the Lord, and I'm not speaking against all these different people, I'm just saying there's no foundation except Him. And the foundation isn't us, by the way. Sometimes we make a God out of faith. The faith has to be in Him and on Him, and we have to keep our eyes on Him. And the minute we take our eyes off Jesus, guess what's going to happen? You can trust Him through the storm, you know. As soon as we take our eyes off, we're going to have doubts. We're going to have fears. We're going to have all kinds of crazy emotions. We're going to have all kinds of crazy attitudes. And God's just saying, hey, put your trust on me and do not take your eyes off of me in this storm that we're in. And church, if we'll do that, God will allow us to fulfill His great commission in this last days. We don't need to worry about what's, what's ahead. All we need to worry about is what God's called us to do in these last days. And what He's called us to do is to shine a light to a dark world who's about to be judged. How many know that? You say, well, are you sure the tribulation's coming? No, I'm sure death is coming for everybody, though. Okay? Because when we die, we get judged. And there may be people in this room that don't have one more day left. And so we've got a mission, and that mission is be a light to a dark world and win the lost, not to build a bunker. Okay? And if you build a bunker, that's fine, but you better also be going and winning the lost, okay? Because that's what God's called us to do. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that this message would reach not only those who are in the sanctuary, Lord, but also those who are listening, Lord, that aren't here today. Lord, I pray that this uh, peace, this shalom, shalom that you have for your people, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would acquire it, Lord God, that we would allow you to give us constant peace and constant connection with your presence, Lord. That we'd keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Lord, that we would accomplish your will in these last days, Lord. Father, you have uh, great things that you want to do through your church. And Lord, I just pray that we would have the boldness, Lord, that you would grant the boldness to do all that you called us to do. You would make us a light to a lost world, Lord God. You'd put words of boldness in our mouths, Lord God. Father, we'd be about your business every day, Lord God, that our eyes would stay firmly focused on you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless your people today, Lord God. Bless those who are listening. In your name I pray. I just want to invite you. We're here to pray for you. If there's some, something you need prayer for, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord, I would love to pray with you. Just gonna sing a couple little songs here in closing. Just uh, let the Holy Spirit work in your life. The Holy Spirit begin to speak to you.
it's uh, very difficult sometimes when you preach a message because you have to focus in on a certain area and you can't really be expansive and preach all sides of that area. And so I just want to encourage you, um, a lot of the other things that we put our trust in aren't bad things. You know, uh, we want to pray for our president. We want to support our our leaders and pray that God would uh, touch them and bless them. Uh, Proverbs says that a wise person prepares. Uh, for instance, if you're preparing for uh, possible shortages again on the store shelves, that's a good thing. It happened a few months ago and it could happen again. And we're going to be proactive as a church. Um, we're going to be preparing for that as a church for our people. So there's wisdom in doing those things, but this message isn't saying those things are wrong. And we should stand up to evil no matter what, where, when, how. We've got to stand up and do the right thing. Those are right. But this message is all about that can't be your source of hope. Politics is not our source of hope. God moving on politicians is a much better source of hope. Praying for God to move in our state houses, in our federal houses, and in our judiciary, and our our legislature, and all these areas, that God moving uh, is what the, the, the hope is. The hope is not in those people. The hope is not in persons. The hope is not in all these other things. The hope can only be... Uh, in Jesus Christ, righteousness will exalt the nation. And so don't get me wrong in this message. I'm just saying that our hope has to be in the Lord or we're going to be really disappointed. If we're putting our hope in a lot of other things, you say, oh man, if we could just win an election, it'll all change. You're going to be disappointed because only God can bring that change. With that being said, vote righteously. It's important to vote. It's important to be politically involved. It's important to stand up to evil. But we just can't put our hope in anything but Jesus Christ. And that's where you get the perfect peace. Because you know God's got everything under His sovereign control. Correct? Hallelujah. If we lose that, we're going to disconnect the peace. We'll always be out of whack. We'll be like the world out there shaking our fists in the street. Right? We can't do that. We're not of the world. We don't have the peace the world has. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bless this message, Lord. Give it clarity, Lord. Lord, give us unity behind you, Lord, and only you. Lord, bind us together in love, Lord God. United under you, Lord. Bless this church, Lord. Lord, give us peace that passes our understanding. Lord, give us the path, Lord God, of peace. Lord, shalom, Lord, complete wholeness, Lord, in you. Even in turbulent times and tribulation, Lord. Bless your church, Lord. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.